10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, hello there, friends and family. Thank you so much for tuning in to Every Day is a Saturday. I'm your host, Brian Roof. Hey, guys. Today's episode you're listening to is titled Learning and Reporting for Duty. If this is your first time listening, I encourage for you to go check out episodes 1 through 10, and then you can see how we got here. But before we get into today's episode, let's do what we do, our buddy check. It's buddy check time. Hope everyone out there is doing well. Trust me, guys, I know how life is. It for sure has its highs and its lows. So, hey, keep that in mind, and when you're having a good day, try to make the best out of those good days, because let me tell you what, you never know when you're going to have those bad days, and, you know, if you are having a low point, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, feel a little vulnerable and reach out to someone and talk talk to them, you know. If you don't have a, someone to talk to you or that you can trust, you can always call the Crisis Lifeline. It's a number you can call discreetly. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number is 988, and then you press 1. If you don't want to talk, you can text them, 838-255, 838-255. Again, if you need help, go get it. If you know someone that needs help, let's get them the help. Together, we can do this. Alright, friends and family, let's get into this. Episode 11, Learning and Reporting for Duty. Last episode, guys, we left off with me graduating and finishing up Marine Combat Training, also known as MCT. That was episode 10. Alright, let's go ahead and get right into this, guys. So, you know, after I was done with MCT, um, I was released back, basically... um, I was able to go with my mom and sister since I lived in California and my flight to North Carolina, uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, um, was out of LAX. So um, lucky me, my mom and sister came and they picked me up from MCT and dropped me off at LAX. And from there, I got on the plane and I flew off to good old Rudy Poo, (laughs) Jacksonville, North Carolina. Um, I say Rudy Poo, Jacksonville, North Carolina, because, my gosh, that place was, uh, there wasn't really much there. So it was very um, small town feeling. Um, you know, when I landed in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, this was my first time ever being on the East Coast. I've never seen the East Coast up until this point. Um, so I was immediately fixated on how green it was everywhere I looked. Everything was super green, um, and it was a lot more flat than I'm used to. I'm used to kind of seeing mountains and stuff like that from where I live. And you know, California, there's quite a bit of uh, mountains and hills and stuff like that. But uh, I gotta say, North Carolina was pretty flat compared to what I was used to. And let me tell you, the noises that you would hear, you know, at the tree line and in the forest areas where all the trees were, man, um, I have no idea what kind of critters they have in there, but it sounds super creepy at night, let me tell you what. But uh, 
Once I uh, get there, um, you know, we I finally get over to uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, the base, and um, they put me in with like kind of like a receiving platoon because when we get there, we find out that class doesn't start for like a whole week or so. And, you know, at first, I think everybody in their mind is sitting there freaking... <laughs> Because they're thinking, hell yeah, you know, we get a little break before we start school. But absolutely not. That's not how the Marine Corps works. They definitely had something in mind, and it was good old duty. That's right. We didn't really care for that because now uh, we got to have duty. And so there was um, on base, there was a couple guard stations and. Um, you know, dif different little areas that they would place like two, two to three Marines at a time. Um, I think, I don't know, there there had to be a good decent amount of us for the class. I would say anywhere from, you know, 40 to 50 Marines. Um, so, you know, during this time they had to find something to do for 40 to 50 Marines. There was, you know, stuff for beautification to the, the to the base there was you know like i said guard duty and there was what i got stuck with i end up becoming um working in the color guard and so i didn't have no clue what the hell the color guard was at first i'm sitting there you know like color guard what the hell am i gonna be doing you know like i'm over here in the Exactly. What the hell is color guard? I'm sure some of you guys are like, what do you, what's color guard? Well, color guard is basically I get up every morning and I, I'm in charge of uh, Reveille and I'm in charge of taps. So um, Reveille is in the morning when everybody gets up. I have to, um, it was me and another Marine. So what we would do is typically get up in the morning, go do our chow hall run. And then we had to go meet up with the sergeant of the guard. Um, I believe it was like by like zero seven or something. It was basically when the sun was getting ready to rise. We needed to make sure that we were doing reveille, you know, as soon as the sun was about to uh, rise. So uh, we go over um, and you know, for the when we go to when we're supposed to go put the flag up. Um, being in the color guard, that's your responsibility. Your you know flag duty. Um, they want you to look, you know, spick and span. They want your boots. Back then, um, we had to shine our boots, and we had, you know, normal camis where we had to actually iron them and stuff. We didn't have these new ones where you just throw them in the washer and dryer, and they come out with the um, creases in them, and they don't have to shine their boots anymore and stuff like that. So, you guys are lucky. Back then, we had a lot more shit to do and a lot more ways to fuck with us, and one of them was making sure, you know, you spit shine the hell out of your boots and that your camis were tip-top shape. So, you know, um, so, like I said, they wanted us to look good. The uh, sergeant of the guard was a female. She was very um, motivated. Uh, she took her job very serious. And, uh, I mean, she, you know, was telling us, you fucked this up. You know, you're going to have, I'm going to have your ass type deal. So, um, we definitely didn't want to fuck up uh, raising the flag in the morning. And how it worked is when you do Reveille in the morning, um, 
everything she wanted to is like to be loud as hell she wanted everything to sound like snap and a pop so when we would go to you know grab the rope to go uh, hook it up to the flag we had to fucking slap the shit out of the pole I mean, so hard that I would damn near hurt my hand sometimes because, you know, I'm in there. I want to make a, you know, a fucking name for myself. And so I'm on the BAM! Popping that thing. And in the morning, you got to raise that flag up super fast. And then for taps, it came down. You had to go down super slow with it. I mean, not super slow, but like just kind of small, uh, shorter little uh, hand strokes or whatever, bringing the flag down. Uh, they didn't want it to be super fast. That's just, you know, how it was done. And you didn't want to mess that up whatsoever. <clears throat> so I had to do, you know, my duty twice a day. Once in the morning at uh, sunrise and then once in the evening at sunset. So that kind of left me with a lot of time during the day, you know, not to have a lot of shit to do. You know, so what do I do, you ask? Well... Let's see. During that time, I pretty much had to iron my camis a lot, iron them some more, uh, spit shine my boots, and uh, make sure I was clean shave and my hygiene was all good. I mean, literally, that's what they wanted us to do is just sit there and work on our, our camis and stuff the whole time. I mean, it's a lot of time to kill. And, uh, you get hella bored, man. And back then, there wasn't cell phones and, you know, all those kind of things that kind of keep you uh, occupied, you know, now there is today. So, um, I got a good story, actually, while sitting there shaving my face in the morning. Um, I'm sitting there shaving, and it's early in the morning, um, kind of getting ready to get myself ready for uh, my duty, as I'm sitting there shaving my face in the mirror, I'm like, I could see this object, you know, and it's moving up the, the wall that's behind me. And I'm like, what the fuck is that, man? Uh, you know, that <laughs> that thing looks hella big. So I, I, like, turn around and I see these fucking antennas from this thing. It looks like a little mini alien. Oh, my holy fuck, man. It's a huge cockroach. I mean, I'm talking, like, the size of a miniature mouse or so. I mean, I, I don't know. The thing was uh, one of the biggest cockroaches I think I've ever seen. You know, being from California, I don't think our insects are quite as big as the, the fucking insects that they had over there in uh, good uh, North Carolina. Um, also, you know what was kind of cool is um, I got to learn how to uh, f uh, fold the flag and. Um, properly store it um it was a huge ass garrison uh large garrison flag and it's a it's about uh 30 feet by 42 feet so it's a fucking big ass flag and um you're not allowed for that any piece of that flag to touch the deck um i don't know what the fuck would happen if it touched the deck because i sure as hell knew that during my time i was gonna have it drop the deck because i did not want to be an example or find out what the hell happens if you drop the flag on the fucking deck also the floor for some of you guys that don't know what the deck is but um so it was kind of cool you know um learning how to fold the flag i didn't know that um when you fold the flag um 
there's not supposed to be any red or white showing it's supposed to be all blue basically um, with the stars and it's kind of uh, folded into a triangle very neat and um, we put it in a nice box that got uh, locked up and put away every morning and every evening so i i thought that was super cool to um at least kind of learn how to fold a flag and i mean it has stuck with me still to this day um i i, I know how to fold the flag and um, i'm very careful i know you know when it when you fly it and stuff like that at night you're supposed to have a light up uh, projecting up at it you know um or you know take it down but uh, you're never supposed to fly the flag the colors at night with unless there's a light shining on it um and also you know there was times when the flag would have to go half mass and typically um, when a flag goes half mass it's uh due to some kind of a tragic um, there might have been a loss of life or something to that effect it's usually pretty um you know pretty significant for the flag to be flown at half mass so i thought um being on the color guard was uh kind of cool uh it was different definitely didn't get any kind of uh experience like that ever again so that was my first and only experience with being in the color guard and like i said i think it was pretty cool and um we had to do that for about a week or a week or so before our class got to pick up and so once we did that then here we are getting ready to start class all right so it's time for class to start they're wanting us to move from kind of an open squad bay type of living with uh, partitions uh, to more of a dorm type of living where we would have uh, four marines to a room with uh, two bunk beds and one head or one bathroom per um, room um i would say that like living in the the barracks during the school time i would probably say it's pretty similar to what i would imagine um college life to be like except with a twist <laughs> um but i mean at night and and during the evenings it was like a fucking like the you know wild gone wild these dudes were out there acting like you know crazy animals that uh um, we're in the wild you know you can just hear all the fucking ah, screaming and dudes wrestling and just a you know <laughs> whole bunch of uh young guys and girls uh you know without their parents and you know just acting like fools but um <laughs> we had fun to say the least but you know uh there was rules and stuff like that that came with living in the uh barracks at school they were pretty strict and you know for me being on the west coast and being you know a west coast marine i wasn't familiar with training with you know females and this is my first time ever seeing a female marine um in uniform um and being around them all so you know it was like oh shit there's female marines so they kind of of course they started making rules for us hey no no females or no males in any of the rooms um but you know marines will be marines and they always find a way around some shit and always find a way to make something work so what do you think we would do well there's four of us to a room usually what the guys would do is they'd have someone stand 
backyard and stand at the door and just, you know, if they had a girl in the room, the guy would knock on the door or whatever if someone was coming and kind of, you know, give him a little code, hey, get the get her the fuck out or hide her or, you know, don't worry, someone's just passing by. Um, but uh, guys found you know, creative ways to get the females into the rooms. And I'm sure the females were getting guys into the rooms as well. Because uh, we're not the only ones crazy. But anyways, so let's talk a little bit about the weekends while you're going to school. Um, they basically gave you liberty on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, you got off at like probably like 16.30, which is 4.30 p.m. on a Friday and uh, kind of uh, didn't have to be back till Monday morning. So they kind of gave us a little bit of a weekend to get off and go do some things. But being in uh, good old Rudy Poo, North Carolina, Jacksonville, North Carolina, there's not a lot to do. In good old North, uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, there was a, a mall that was really small. Like you can pretty much um, walk it uh, within 30 minutes or so. It's a very small mall uh, compared to what I'm used to in California. And then after that, uh, you were left with a whole bunch of like um, titty bars, you know. Um, that's about all there was there in North Carolina. So, I mean, where do you think that I hung out at? At the mall? <laughs> no. I was hanging out, of course, at the damn half-assed titty bars and good old Rudy Poo, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And, you know, being in a small town, what kind of women you think, uh, you know, were dancing, um, probably was, uh, you know, good old uh, John's wife. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It just uh, wasn't uh, quite the show that you probably were expecting. But, you know, being young, you know, 18, 19 years old, uh, first time ever, you know, getting to go out and do these kind of things. I think back then I, I, you know, I loved it. I was like, hell yeah, man, you know, slapping these little dollar bills and shit. Um, but, but I can honestly say though, I think that I got my fix while I was there. Um, I kind of learned, you know, by going to the strip clubs out there that that's not really for me, man. I don't like not being able to touch. I don't like being able to walk out with anything um, but a wet knee. And no, no, thank you. I'm good, man. I can find other ways to uh, use my dollar bills. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, um, you know... <sighs> I don't know. There wasn't really a lot for us to do. You know, if you really wanted to go to uh, Myrtle Beach, that was kind of the big thing. But Myrtle Beach wasn't very close for us. It was kind of a drive. Um, and you had to try to get, you know, transportation because over there, none of us had vehicles. So um, back then there wasn't Uber and, you know, all these, you know, uh, car, you know, um, call, call and come pick me up rides. Um, didn't exist back then. It was all taxi cabs, the yellow cabs, and uh, they'd rape us of our money. But when you want to get off base and you 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 know just want to break, you don't really care how much you got to pay. And usually there's like four of us that usually would squish up in a taxi, so um, we would all split the share amongst the four of us. So it wasn't horrible, but you know so. 
back to kind of going back to the school stuff. Uh, school itself was like kind of like a normal classroom type of situation. Um, you know, we got there in the morning. I want to say probably like around zero seven in the morning. Um, they would cut us off or uh, our afternoon chow, which is lunchtime, around eleven hundred, and then. Uh, they would want us to be back by about 12, so they gave us about an hour. And then they would cut us off around 16.30, which is 4.30 p.m., to go get uh, evening chow. And then after that, we were kind of uh, broke loose for the night. And, of course, the expectations always were to, you know, when you the evening is to um, iron your camis and spit shine your boots. Because um, back then, like I said, we didn't, we weren't so uh, lucky to have the the non-polished boots and the non-iron uh, camis that you guys get these days and age. I actually got um, the new ones. I think about it was like my last year or something like that, and uh, I had to go buy mine. I didn't get them issued, but. Um, like towards, I want to say, uh, like the, about the last week or the last couple of days of school, uh, it's kind of that big moment that everybody's been waiting for, and that's to get our or receive your first orders for your first duty station. So everybody is kind of excited at at this point, like hell yeah, where are we gonna go? They give you three options to uh, choose and. Being a California boy, um, I really wanted to get myself back to California, so all three of my choices were all in um, California. I believe that my first choice was Camp Pendleton, uh, my second choice was probably Miramar, something like that, and then um, lastly, it was probably uh, 29 Palms, if I even chose 29 Palms, because um, all you ever hear about 29 Palms is it's not a duty station that you really want you know it's uh out in the middle of the desert there ain't shit around it reaches well over 100 degrees in the summertime it is a hot ass fucking deserted desert that you don't want to go but you know um here comes time and it's uh time for us to get our orders and we're all sitting here and that's right Music's coming on. I'm like, okay, guys. Here's my orders. Orders are in my hand now. What do we have? Fucking 29 palms. Oh my fuck, no, man. 29 palms, dude. You can't be serious. Yes, they're serious as hell. And they think it's fucking funny. Um, everybody thinks it's funny. I'm like the only one that gets 29 palms. Um, so, here I am. 29 fucking palms. 29 stumps. The stumps. Whatever you want to call it. Not exactly excited anymore to get my, um, orders like everybody was. I was pretty much like, no! But, hey... What are you going to do? You didn't really get a choice. I couldn't trade or anything like that. I was stuck with fucking 29 palms. Lucky me. Um, schooling in North Carolina was only about two weeks. So um, after the two weeks were done, I got a ticket back to California. And being that I'm a California native, 
I was able to have my mom again come and pick me up at the airport. So here I am, off to Cali. Heading back to Cali, to Cali, to Cali. <laughs> Man, that makes me want to sing that song. Heading back to Cali. Anyways, um, going back to Cali, flying into LAX. Get into LAX. My mom's there to pick me up. Go to retrieve my luggage. And lo and behold, no luggage. They fucking lose my luggage. All my gear, all the shit I need to go check into my first duty station. Man, I'm like, you got to be fucking shitting me, man. Out of all the times they're going to lose my luggage, it's uh, here I am, you know, and it's fucking stressful. Uh, For one, being a boot, let alone having to check into your duty station for the first time. And there's a whole fucking way you got to check in to your first duty station. And you got to wear, you know, a certain um, uniform and all that. So... Shit ain't looking good. Um, they give me like a, you know, like a tag and a fucking claim number and all this stuff. And I'm like, great, man. Headed back home with the fam. And uh, I think uh, I get about five days before I got to check in. So I'm constantly checking LAX every day. Hey, you got my bag. You got my bag. And I want to say, man. It was about the day before, maybe two days before I had to check in that finally, good old LAX, hey, we have your luggage here, you need to come pick it up. Okay, so, you know, we drove all the way back down to LA to go pick up my shit because, man, I needed that shit. So, get my stuff and, you know, while I'm home during these five days, um, I'm not really hanging out with friends and stuff like that. I'm kind of just chilling with the family, keeping it low. Uh, don't want to get myself in any kind of trouble because, you know, being a Marine, we got kind of two sets of laws or even being in the military, you got kind of two sets of laws that you got to follow. You got the civilian law and then you got the UCMJ, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And I honestly just didn't want to get in any kind of trouble I'm fucking brand new. I'm a boot. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to go on. The last thing I want to do, though, is go get my ass in trouble. So I thought the best thing, you know, to stay out of trouble is just stay home with the fam and uh, keep it low. I don't even know that I even shared with people that I was home. Um, Because back then, like I said, we didn't have any kind of social media type of platforms like Facebook Um, I think we had like MySpace or some shit back then. I don't know. I wasn't really into a lot of that stuff. But anyhow, um, uh, it's about that time now where, you know, time's up. Got to go check in. It's it's go time. Time to leave mom and try to leave her again and uh, get on with my my adventure. So here I am. I, oh. Let's just back up real quick before we go. And while I was home during these five days, I went and bought myself my first brand new car. It was a a silver Honda Civic, and it was a year 2000. Um, Brand new. I don't think there was nothing but maybe 19 miles on it when I got it. So first brand new car I ever had. I was super excited that I had a, a new car that I get to drive to my first duty station in. So... Here I am driving to my first duty station, which, uh, again, is the good old 29 Palms, the Stumps, 29 Stumps, whatever you want to call it. 
and it is uh, about mid-August time frame, I want to say. So it, we're, we're in the deep of the heat, man. Um, it was definitely hot there when I first got there. It was evening time. Um, I had to check in early in the morning, the next morning. So um, they put me in a, like a little holding room for the night. I went to sleep pretty much immediately. Um, got myself up the next morning. Um, got myself dressed up and when you check in they want you to tr um, check in in your dress um, alphas which is um, if I was six minute green trousers a green coat with um, a khaki long sleeve shirt with a tie on and a tie clasp and then a soft green cover um, was basically the uniform that uh, I was told to check in. So, and and when you go to check in with your off uh, with your commanding officer or whoever it may be, there is a whole way to check in. You got to walk in. You got to greet him um, and let them, you know, basically give you permission to um, speak and all those kind of things. There's a whole thing to it, man. And it is a stressful thing when you're a fucking brand new boot straight out of boot camp and, you know, you here you are being, you know, you got to go talk to a fucking officer and the only officers you're pretty much familiar with, you're sitting there screaming, you know, uh, fucking, you know, uh, I don't know, <laughs> whenever a uh, uh, officer walked in on the boot camp or something like that, you have to be like, attention on deck, you know, and so we always brought attention whenever there was an officer. So it was very intimidating that I had to go check myself in with an officer. So I go down to where I need to go check in. They have me sit down and I'm just sitting there. And of course, it all starts to sink in. Oh shit, I gotta check in. So now it's time. I get called back, go back in, do my whole greeting. He greets me back, asks me to, you know, I hand him over my orders. I take a seat. He sits down. He starts looking at my orders. You know, he's kind of wincing at it and kind of shaking his head a little bit. I'm like, oh, fuck, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, he's killing me here. And uh, he looks back up and he's like, well, devil dog, I got some good news and I got some bad news. I'm going to go ahead and let you choose. What do you want to hear first? Do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? And I'm like, fuck, sir. I didn't really say that. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, fuck, give it to me hard, man. I'm like, I want the bad news, sir. He was like, all right, well, your orders are completely fucked up. They have messed your orders up completely. And I'm like, oh, shit, man. I'm thinking, I'm like, well, what the fuck kind of good news is there from this? You know what I mean? Um, and he was like, but the good news is you can go. Your orders are actually for Oceanside Camp Pendleton. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm sitting there like, fuck, yeah. He's like, well, the situation, though, you know, is I can I can use you here. I really can, I can use a 3051 here, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm feeling kind of nice today. I'm going to go ahead and give you the choice. Do you want to stay here or do you want to go to where your orders are for? And that's for Camp Pendleton. <laughs> ha, 
Man, let me tell you what. If I could motherfucking get up and scream and and hoot and holler and fucking cheer. Oh, man. I mean, I would totally, totally do that. Because I did not want to be in the desert. I'm like, fucking send me to the beach, man. Send me to the beach, please. So, um, I calmly said, uh, yes, sir, I would like to uh, go with, with my orders. And he said, all right, devil dog, uh, give me a little time. i make a couple phone calls, and then uh, we'll uh, print you out your new orders, and we'll send you on your way. Roger that. So that's exactly what I did. I went and chilled. I got to uh, sit down for a little bit. I was kind of like, yeah, man, all right. But if, but the same part of me is also like, fuck, now I got to go and do this whole checking in thing all over again. Fuck, man. What a stress that is. <laughs> so I was, you know, I'm happy, but I'm also like, gosh, damn it. So, but, you know, I would say that uh, having to check in fucking five more times than be stuck at uh, good old 29 Palms would be my choice. So <laughs> I didn't really care if I had to check in again. All I know is I want to get the fuck out of the desert, and that's exactly what they were able to do for me. So... Um, he basically gave me my orders and he made the orders for, I think it was like the next evening or, or the next, uh, I don't know, a couple days or something. He gave me a little time to travel. All I remember is that I, I got enough time. I, I went back home cause, uh, once again, I didn't live too far away from 20, 29 Palms, nor it was it too far away from, uh, Camp Pendleton, um, so I was able to go back home again. I think I stayed there one more night. And then I got up the next morning and went uh, on my way again to Camp Pendleton to go check in at Camp Pendleton. Now, I'm going to go ahead and stop us right here, right now. Because I think it's a good place to stop. And then a great place for us to kick back up is when I actually uh, checked in at uh, Camp Pendleton for the very first time. Once again, I would like to thank everyone for listening to Every Day is a Saturday with me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. If you're enjoying the show, please like and share it out so we can grow the community. Until next time, Roof out.